When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back to the show, MD Nation. How are we all doing this morning? We are live on the MD's Fantasy Football Show on social media at BillyUpMDFF. Show, of course, subscribe to the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. We'll be, we'll be available to you after the show on your favorite pod streaming app, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker, wherever you like to go. And, of course, check us out tonight from 7 to 8 p.m. on the Unhinged Radio Network at unhingedsn.airtime.pro. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, going over the primetime game recaps and the waiver wire report for week seven. We are officially at the exact midway point for the fantasy football regular season and about the midway point for the for the NFL season as well. But remember, going to 14 games, week seven, the dead middle. So this is this is where you need to be. Do you have a winning record? Are you within, you know, striking distance of a playoff spot or not? Because now at this point, if you're sitting there and you're at the bottom of the barrel, it's do or die time, baby. If you got to switch it up, you got to. And you're Here's the problem. If you're a team that's less than 500, Going into this week, there's a good chance this bye week, this week seven, it's affecting everybody, at least in some capacity, because of how many teams are on bye. It's going to be rough. I'm not going to lie to you. It's going to be rough for you guys out there. But I said it yesterday's show. This is the time to try to take advantage in trades. People are going to look at this bye week. They're going to feel like, oh, I'm at the midway point. I'm falling out of you know, competition with my league, with my division. I have to win. 
have to play like it's the playoffs now. People make dumb decisions when they're emotional and feeling like they're up against the wall. This week's going to make a lot of people feel like they're up against the wall. So look for situations that you can take advantage of. Don't screw yourself in the process. But if you have maybe some depth, you're not hindered by this particular bye week as much, maybe it's time where you can buy low on some other players that you wouldn't normally be able to given certain circumstances. A tip that I always like to do is I always work from my, my bottom up when I do trades. So I go for the last place teams, second to last place, third to last place. Because those are the teams that are going to be desperate. Those are the teams that are going to be looking to make a change because their teams haven't been good for them as is anyway. Those are the teams you can take advantage of. So just go through that and then look at the teams that, you know, have you on bye week. Do you have any running backs? Do you have any wide receivers? Are you desperate for a win? See what you can take advantage of this week. It's a good week to try it. We got the recap games we got to talk about. The Sunday night game, Monday night game, of course, first before we get to the waiver wire report in just a minute. But let's kick this off with the uh, the Sunday night matchup between the Steelers and the Seattle Seahawks. So we knew this wasn't going to be a crazy, exciting back and forth game, but it wound up being an overtime game. It wound up being a good game. We had a lot of questions fantasy-wise of what to look out for, starting with Seattle side of the ball, of course. Geno Smith was fine. 23 of 32, 209 yards. He had a touchdown in this game. DK Metcalf, six receptions, 58 yards on seven targets. Tyler Lockett also had seven targets, only two receptions, 35 yards. So everyone keeps saying like, oh, well, this is what we expected. You know, DK Metcalf, he's a bigger target. Makes it easier for Geno Smith. Well, I'll tell you right now. While DK Metcalf had the better box score, he didn't have the better usage. Tyler Lockett almost played 10 more snaps than he did. Four more routes run. The difference was, of course, the box score. The targets were the same. And even DK Metcalf wasn't that great. Look, Geno Smith, this is a tough Pittsburgh Steelers defense. And I know why they've been giving up points to wide receivers. It's hard for a quarterback who hasn't played a lot to go up against this pass rush. and play well and again I thought he was fine the problem is the tempo of the Seattle offense was slow even when Russell Wilson was back there and they slowed it down even more with Geno Smith yesterday trying to be more deliberate I guess in every play call but as a result of that it's just not a lot of volume to go around and unfortunately they have a similar matchup coming up again against the Saints next week it's, I think it's going to be a similar game plan to what they had this this night against the Steelers on Sunday night now, offensively, they were completely anemic in the first half. Didn't score a point. The second half, however, they came out, they doubled down in their commitment to the run game. And they just had Alex Collins run at the Pittsburgh Steelers. He winds up with a great game. 20 carries, 100 yards, a touchdown, tacked on a reception. It was negative three yards, but he tacked on a reception if you're in a full-point PPR league. Still want to being a plus thing for you. He looked good, but then he gets banged up. Now, we don't know how bad. Pete Carroll is a notorious liar when it comes to injuries, so him saying that he's optimistic about Alex Collins' chances almost feels like the exact opposite where we should expect him not to play. Here's the problem. 
because you know people went after Alex Collins and Chris Carson went down, and he's he's looked good for Chris Carson for the past couple of weeks. The issue now is that Rashad Penny is expected to be back and in full this week off the IR, and should be practicing in full. So even if Alex Collins can play. It stands the reason that there might be some sort of a committee, some sort of a rotation between him and Rashad Penny. If he can't play, Rashad Penny probably takes the lead. If he can't play, Rashad Penny probably gets that role. Now, maybe not the passing down role, which that passing down role went to DJ Dallas in this matchup. Five targets, five receptions, 33 yards. By far had the... Well, I shouldn't say by far, but 18 routes run compared to Alex Collins' 15, but he was doing it in two-minute offense, third and long, when you look for the running back to actually get involved in the passing game. So DJ Dallas acted as the pass-catching back in this matchup. But they're going to have a main ball carrier. Whether it's Alex Collins, whether it's Rashad Penny, we don't know. Again, if Alex Collins plays, I wouldn't be too surprised if Rashad Penny was still worked in to some degree. Now, are they ready to give him a full workload back, his first week back? Remains to be seen. But if the comment was that he's expected to practice in full this entire week and he's good to go, I do think he'll be involved in some degree. So whatever Seattle running back, plus they're going against the Saints next week, whatever Seattle running back comes out of the mix out of practice this week, I do think they're going to be no more than RB3, unfortunately, if you're looking to use Alex Collins to supplement your Chris Carson issues. Rashad Penny, we'll talk about him a little bit later in the waiver wire show. Uh, Will Disley, Gerald Everett, they pretty much split the routes run. Everett had 19 to Will Disley's 18, both had two targets. Maybe a tight end emerges at some point. Maybe it's Gerald Everett, you know, his first game back. Maybe next week they let him take over more of the, you know, passing tight end. Will Disley's always going to be in there. He's going to be the blocker. And he's always going to have probably more snaps played because he's the better blocker. But I wouldn't be surprised if Gerald Everett wanted to be the guy who just became that receiver at some point. We'll see. But I don't know how much I want outside of Lockett and DK Metcalf as, as far as pass catchers go until Russell Wilson comes back anyway. What do you do about Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf? Well, look, I think you have to play them both. But I think you have to look at both of them as low-end wide receiver two, wide receiver threes, or at least Metcalf maybe as a low-end wide receiver two and Lockett as a wide receiver three. With and they're not and just they're not going to have the same upside and ceiling that they would with Russell Wilson. The bombs, the big plays, just they're not going to be there as often. But there's still a target consolidation around both of them. And again, I go back to while Metcalf was better in the box score, still wasn't great, was better in the box score. Lockett was still out there and was a usage-wise was the more featured wide receiver. So I think better days are ahead. I don't, I don't, I'm not panicking. Lockett's not going to be a must sit for me until Russell Wilson gets back. Now, if you have Lockett and you're sitting there and you're like, oh, you're fed up because he, other than the first two weeks, he hasn't had good game since then, Russell Wilson or not, which I get that. She's saying, what do you do? Can I sell him off? No. If you sell him off now, you're selling, you're selling, you're literally going to sell him off for pennies on the dollar. He just had a bad game on national television. So everybody watched it. We don't know what his ceiling really is. If there is one with Geno Smith until Russell Wilson comes back, which is still maybe a month away. So you're not going to get anything of value back for a Tyler Lockett. Conversely though, if I don't have Lockett, I don't think I'm looking to buy low on Tyler Lockett either. 
for the same reason. I mean, while I think he'll be better than what he was today, even with Geno Smith, because the usage dictates that he should be, he still has a low floor now that it's Geno instead of Russell Wilson. That has to be acknowledged. So I'm not big on the whole idea of trading four or trading low on Tyler Lockett either. So that's kind of the fine line. I think if you have Lockett, I think you're just holding Lockett for now. You play him as needed, essentially. So kind of just keep that in mind. Flip it around. Go to Pittsburgh Steelers. Holy moly, is Ben Roethlisberger terrible, but he gets the ball to who you need him to get the ball to. You need him to get the ball to Deontay Johnson. He did that. 13 targets, 9 receptions, 71 yards. You need to get the ball to Chase Claypool. All right, well, Claypool didn't have a great box score. Two receptions, 17 yards, but seven targets. Ran the second most routes of the wide receivers. Better days are ahead for Chase Claypool. The problem is that Ben is so bad throwing the deep ball. That big play that Claypool has a lot of his fantasy value based off on, especially for his ceiling, I just don't know how often that's really going to be there. Maybe once every four or five games he's going to hit one. You're hoping. But Claypool has more of a floor than he ever did. Because, again, without Schuster, there's a target consolidation there to go around. So I think Claypool's still a wide receiver three. But, man, has been bad. <laughs> he's just bad. Now, here's what's interesting. Pat Freermuth. Seven targets this game. Seven receptions, 58 yards. Somebody that I've talked about quite a bit on this show as being potentially down the road a sleeper tight end. Now, quick glance at this. Just looking at the box score, I felt like, oh, this is the game. This is the game now where I can say you're my sleeper tight end. You're going to be on my waiver report to pick up and stream from here on out. Finally got involved as the main pass catching tight end was one of the main pass catchers in general, which box score wise he was usage wise. However, I pumped the brakes on definitely going all the way in on Pat Freermuth being a top 12 streamer for the rest of the year. Reason being. While he did play nine more snaps than Eric Ebron, he only had three more routes run. 22 to Eric Ebron's 19. Because of that, this suggests that this could have been more of a fluke than something that's actually going to be a trend from here on out. So if next week comes along and Freemuth gets five-plus targets in that game, then I think I can feel a little bit more confident. But I'm not quite ready to come out and say, Freemuth, you are a sleeper tight end now. You've officially crossed that threshold. He hasn't quite crossed there yet because Eric Ebron still played a little bit too much. You're still a little bit too even between the two of them, but this easily could go back next week and be, you know, three targets a piece between the two of them. That's the issue. So we're not quite ready to make that jump, but if he does a second week in a row, I will be probably talking about Pat Freermuth next week as a sleeper tight end down the road or sleeper tight end. You could pick up. Najee Harris is great. I mean, we, we complain all the time about how we're always disappointed. Certain running backs just aren't utilized enough. Don't get enough of the workload even though they have the skill set. Well, this is not the problem with Harris. I mean, efficiency-wise, it's never going to be consistent because this offensive line is so horrible. But 24 of 81, carry-wise, rushing-wise. And then he comes back, tacks on six receptions for 46 yards, has a receiving touchdown on seven targets. Najee Harris is one of those guys. I don't know how often you want to watch Najee Harris play as your RB1 because <laughs> it never really looks too pretty out there. But you know, you plug him in, you check the box score at the end of the game, you know he's going to get you an RB1 performance just based on volume. He's going to get you there. And he's scoring touchdowns. So it may not look pretty, 
But Harris is going to get you there one way or another. Not much else to talk about in this matchup. Still a lot of things yet to be determined that you follow us along on the injury news at BillyUpMDFF show. We'll get those player news notifications out to you as soon as we can. So let's get a word in from our sponsor real quick. When we come back on the other side, we're going to recap the Monday night game, and then we'll have the waiver wire report for you guys at the end of the show. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Where you're betting at is just as important as who you are betting on. That's why I always tell people to put your money down at my book. The Arizona Cardinals have come out to a hot start. The Chiefs have as many losses as they did last year. And with all the overs hitting in the dying seconds of a game, there's never been a better time to get in on the action. Thankfully, my bookie's lock of the season has returned for the Las Vegas, Seattle NHL opening game. When either team scores in the game, you win. You heard that right. When the lamp lights red, you get the bread. Take the easy win, pat yourself on the back, and use your winnings for your NFL picks for week six, which includes a battle between two potential Super Bowl contenders when the Cardinals meet the Browns. Don't miss out on a winning season. Head to MyBookie and use my promo code, MDFANTASY, and you'll get double your first deposit. That's a promo code, MDFANTASY, so you can get double your funds to double your winnings to double the prizes. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back in, MD Nation. You are listening and or watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming you live on social media at Show. Of course, on the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. Catch us after the show on your favorite pod streaming app. And tonight from 7 to 8 on the Unhinged Radio Network at unhingedsn.airtime. Dot pro. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We just recapped the Sunday night game. Now let's get into the Monday night matchup where we finally had our big shootout of the week. Save the best for last. The Tennessee Titans have to be the worst 4-2 team in the NFL because nothing about them is overly impressive. Nothing about them was overly impressive in this game. Well, with the exception of Derrick Henry, of course, who's been more impressive than really any player I can know of. 20 carries, 143 yards, three touchdowns on the ground, tacks on two receptions for 13 yards off of three targets. There is no defense that can slow him down. He had a 76-yard touchdown in this one. And boy, he God, he looked fast. I think he hit 21 miles an hour at one point. I think that was the uh, next-gen stat on that touchdown run. He, he's just, I mean, he's a god. He's in, he's in a whole other world. And he's going to be the number one running back by the end of the year. The number one RB. And maybe he winds up breaking the rushing record, the rushing title again this year. So much for worrying about usage. So much for worrying about Arthur Smith. Nothing can slow down Derrick Henry. That much is clear. (laughs) It's it's nuts. However, outside of Derrick Henry, still a lot left to be desired. Ryan Tannehill... Continuing not to play well. Now, I didn't expect Tannehill to have a good matchup here. I mean, as he was in my, you know, he wasn't even inside my top 20 of quarterbacks, I don't think, this week. 18 of 29, 216 yards, didn't have a passing touchdown, had an interception, did have a rushing touchdown in this game. But that's what we got to see of more. I mean, Ryan Tannehill, that's not what he's been doing. There used to be a time when, you know, him and Derrick Henry would have these big games because um, they wound up splitting, you know, red zone rushing touchdowns, essentially, between the two of them. Now, next week will be interesting because they play the Kansas City Chiefs. 
So Ryan Tannehill probably, especially given all the bye weeks, will probably make my top 12 of quarterbacks next week. The good news, there's good news and bad news on that front. The good news is he should at least have one of his premier wide receivers in AJ Brown, who was managed, managed and able to have a nice game in this one. Seven receptions, 91 yards on nine targets. Unfortunately, that's pretty much been his best game of the year. He's had a he had a game where he scored a touchdown, but seven receptions, ninety one yards, nine targets. That's the best game of the year he's had. Now, you could take some satisfaction that comes against a tough Buffalo Bills secondary, and he's able to have a good game. It's also partly due to the fact that Julio Jones reaggravated his hamstring injury once again. I don't know. I just look when it comes to the soft tissue. I don't know if Julio has the ability to stay healthy for more than a couple games at a time anymore. He might just be at the point where he can't. He has hurt that hamstring, pulled that hamstring more than anybody I know at this point. You breathe on that hamstring snaps. I mean, it's ridiculous. And what's a shame is that he had a really nice play. He had a 48-yarder in this game where he looked as explosive as ever and then pulls the hamstring. I don't know. Look, I highly doubt that he'll be available this Sunday after re-aggravating the injury. I wouldn't be surprised if they decided to put him in the IR because, look, they're a 4-2 and two team. They're right there in the AFC South. They're in first place, believe it or not. For as bad as Tennessee has really looked at, at times this year, that AFC South is a crappy division. They're with the Bengals right now. I'm, I'm sorry, not the Bengals. Colts, Houston, Jacksonville, they're in first place by themselves. Now, luckily, they're playing the AFC South. But they want Julio for the long run. I just, I wouldn't be surprised if you're like, look, Julio, you have got to get healthy. We can't push you back. And because they can afford to do so for at least a couple of games, I think there's a chance he winds up on the IR just to make sure he's 100% healthy when he comes back. We'll see what happens. We'll keep you up to date on social media at Belly of MDF Show. So on the flip side, I mean, A.J. Brown against Kansas City Chiefs, he might have a hell of a target share in a great matchup. We'll see exactly what happens there. But you like the fact that he had a good game here, a game in which he was still limited snap count-wise, and a game in which, you know, 24 hours ago, we weren't sure if he was going to play because suddenly he had picked up an illness and was legitimately sick. And it's not COVID-related, thankfully, but was legitimately sick. But we need Ryan Tannehill to get better. We need the offensive play calling to get better. I mean, especially in the passing game. More play actions, more rollouts. Get Ryan Tannehill throwing on the run. That's what he's best at. We haven't seen too much of that yet this year with Todd Downey calling the plays. If Tannehill can get back in sync, then you know sky's the limit for this offense and everybody else involved. But that's got to happen first. But they did come away and they they did they beat a very good Buffalo Bills team, thirty four thirty one here. So that part that part was impressive. On the Bills side. Pretty much everything you'd want fantasy-wise came to fruition. I mean, Josh Allen, huge game. It was my QB2 behind Patrick Mahomes. I have to check. He might have beat him out. I have to look at it, though. 35-47, 353 yards, three passing touchdowns, had the one pick. Tax on 26 yards on the ground. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Sean McDermott, I, I think he just fell in love with Josh Allen. I should have mentioned that at the top of the show. What was Sean McDermott thinking? You have a chip shot field goal to send this game into overtime. You call a quarterback sneak near the 10 to try to get the first down, go for the win. What's the matter with you? Kick the field goal. Send this thing to overtime. There's seconds left in the fourth quarter. It's 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 easier than an extra point is where they were on that field at that point. On fourth down. I don't care what anybody says you don't you don't go for it in that situation. You send the thing to overtime. What's the matter with you? You have to while their defense didn't play well today, or, or I should say the run defense didn't play well today, you still have a good defense. You don't trust your team to win the game in overtime. Why would you put yourself in that situation? I don't want to hear anybody says like, oh, he's going for the win. No, that was stupid. There's times where you go for the win, and there's times where you live to play another down. You got a chip shot field goal. You can send this thing to overtime, no problemo. There was no reason. That wasn't aggressive. That wasn't, oh, attaboy, hindsight. No, 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 no. That was dumb. That was dumb. There was no reason for him to go for it. Anyway, like I said, I think he just fell in love with Josh Allen. And who could? And why wouldn't you? You play. You had a great game. Receivers all came through with good games. Emmanuel Sanders five receptions, ninety-one yards on eight targets. Continues to be a high-end wide receiver three. Stephon Diggs gets back to wide receiver one status. Nine receptions, eighty-nine yards, a touchdown on eleven targets. And Cole Beasley reemerges, reminding you once again that in good matchups. He can be utilized. And then here's interesting from that. You know, he had seven receptions, 88 yards, a touchdown, nine targets. But Dawson Knox hurt his hand in this game, wasn't able to return, which is a real shame. I had Dawson Knox as a top five tight end. I thought for sure he'd have a great game. And unfortunately, he picks up the injury, three receptions, three targets, 25 yards. But that makes it interesting Cole Beasley because Dawson Knox is going to be out of the way. There is room, obviously, for a third pass catcher to be prevalent on a week-to-week basis in this offense. With Dawson Knox out of the way, that would probably be Cole Beasley. So Cole Beasley is somebody of note. Uh, he's not under 50% owned on average, so he doesn't make my waiver wire report, but there are leagues where he is available. If he's available in your league, go ahead and pick him up because if Dawson Knox is going to miss any time, that target share will shift more towards Cole Beasley than anybody else. So just kind of keep that in mind too. Oh, sorry, all the receivers came through. The running back situation. Everyone's like, oh, Zach Moss, you know, is he he's starting to finally... They keep going to this. Where it's like, oh, Zach Moss is finally edging out Devin Singletary. They, the, the Bills want it to be Zach Moss. Do they? I don't think they really care which one it is. I think both of them are in a 50-50 committee or either one could lead the way. Zach Moss had a little bit more usage in this game, but not much. And Devin Singletary was more was better in the passing game. Five targets, five receptions, 16 yards. Zach Moss, four targets, two receptions, 15 yards. He had three more carries in Singletary. Eight carries, 24 yards. Evan Singletary, five carries, 27 yards. 
they're boomer bust RB3s who frankly don't have a high ceiling, but they're RB3s because they get enough utilization in a high-scoring offense they might score. Nothing really changes there. I don't want to play a Buffalo Bill running back if I can at all help it because they'll always be in that territory with you know a high potential of bust rate because they eat into each other and Josh Allen can eat into them on top of it. And they may not decide to run the ball that game anyway. Pretty much this game, they didn't really decide to run the ball that much. So nothing changes out of them. The only thing that changes really is that we have to find out about the Dawson Knox injury and what that means potentially for Cole Beasley moving forward. All right, so we're going to take one more break, get in one more word from our sponsor. When we come back on the other side, we've got the waiver wire report for you guys, and we'll wrap up the show. So everybody stay tuned the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back with you guys right after this. Your client's going away for 10 years. Unless. Unless. We swap first-round picks. Fantasy football draft season is upon us. It's time for you to put the PP back in the PPR league with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming just launched the new Performance Package 4.0. Don't neglect your balls like the Packers' front office has been neglecting Aaron Rodgers. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. This will help you tame that Troy Palomalu in your pants. And good news for our international listeners. Their life-changing products are now available in Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. All with the 20% off and free international shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back in MD Nation to the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at Billy Up MDFF Show, and of course on the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. Make sure to check us out after the show on your favorite pod streaming app. And tonight from 7 to 8 on the Unhinged Radio Network at unhingedsn.airtime.pro. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We just recapped the primetime matchups from week six, and now it is time to look forward. To week seven, the midway point of the season. So if it's your first time joining the show, this is how this works. I take the average of the players owned throughout the major platforms, NFL, Yahoo, ESPN, average amount, and then I pick the ones who are less than 50% owned, talk about on the waiver wire report, try to help you guys out, and be as wide-ranging as we can possibly be. And I'll let you know how much resources and fab budget I would spend on any one particular player. So again, by week seven, is huge, which means you're looking for players to stream this week on top of you know your usual injury replacements and everything else. So we start off with the quarterback position. Sam Darnold, 42%. They're playing the Giants. So while Darnold has looked bad the past couple of weeks, against the Giants, you have a lot, a lot of times you can look a lot better than what you are. So I do expect him to have a good game. He is going to be a streaming option against the New York Giants in this matchup. So Sam Darnold's 42% owned. Am I using priority on him? No. Am I using fad budget on him? No. I'm not going to waste resources on a guy that I really only want to use for one week, quarterback or not. There's still going to be other options out there. I think Carson Wentz could be an interesting guy playing against San Francisco, who's had a lot of issues in the secondary. I'll feel a lot better about Carson Wentz, who's 18% owned 
if T.Y. Hilton's playing as far as him being a streaming option, but I think that's going to be a possibility. You got Tua Tagalavoa, fantasy-wise, had a very good game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's good to go week seven. He is 30% owned on average. You could pick him up probably for free as well. So don't spend any resources on Sam Darnold, but those are the three quarterbacks I have on my waiver wire list that could potentially be streams heading into this week. Wouldn't spend any resources on them whatsoever. Whichever one you can get for free after waivers clear is what I would do. Then we got Ronald Jones. at the, We'll go move to the running back position. I got Ronald Jones on here. He's 36% owned. Now, the reason I have Ronald Jones on here, he's more of a speculative ad. So again, if you need players to play this week, this is not the pickup that you're making. But if you're in a good position and maybe you're not as hindered by the by week seven as everybody else is, the trade deadline is about two weeks away now. I, I I think it's very interesting to see if the Bucks don't wind up maybe at least entertaining the idea of trading Ronald Jones. They need secondary help in the worst way. So if they could trade Ronald Jones for a corner right now, I think that's a deal that gets made. I don't know where that would go. I don't know if that would happen. But I think Ronald Jones is a speculative ad because if he were to get traded somewhere, you could easily see him being the starter, at least, and the workhorse back on first and second down and in the red zone. He probably won't be, he won't be involved in the passing game no matter where he goes, but we know he can be an explosive runner if given enough touches in that role. So I'm just kind of curious to see if he winds up getting traded. So it's kind of a speculative stash, a little bit of a lotto ticket here. You don't have to spend anything on him. You don't have to waste any resources on him or anything like that, but just something to kind of keep in mind with, the trade deadline coming up. He is a trade candidate. Next up, I got J.D. McKissick at 46%. Now, this is a little bit different. We got to find out Antonio Gibson. We're not going to know late until the week if Antonio Gibson is actually going to miss this week or not. But if I'm Antonio Gibson owner, I'm making sure I'm grabbing J.D. McKissick just to protect myself. And even if I'm not, full point PPR, I mean, J.D. McKissick is arguably an RB3 depending upon the matchup in any given week anyway because of his involvement in the passing game. So he's 46% owned. I think I'm going to spend 10 to 15% of my fab budget on him, and I wouldn't use, you know, the, a top, probably, I probably wouldn't use a top three waiver priority on him. If I'm in the top three, I probably wouldn't waste that on him. But if I'm in, you know, the bottom five, bottom six of my league, I might try to take a swipe at J.D. McKissick, especially this week. Something to keep in mind there. Kenneth Gainwell for the seventh week in a row or sixth week in a row now makes my waiver wire report. Now, I know that they didn't use either running back all that much against Tampa Bay, but whoever does. And I know that the past two weeks, they have been using Miles Sanders significantly more than Kenneth Gainwell, but it hasn't been going well. I don't know that it goes well. Oh, I don't know that they don't go turn back to Kenneth Gainwell. They got to figure out something offensively. They have to get a spark. To me, the best spark I've honestly seen on a consistent basis out of that team is when they're passing the ball to Kenneth Gainwell out of the backfield. I have to imagine they probably get back to that. I still think Kenneth Gainwell is a very high-end handcuff. Miles Sanders has a tendency to not stay healthy all the way through the season, and I still think there's definitely some sort of dysfunction between Miles Sanders and the Philadelphia Eagles organization because they just don't use him, period. They don't give him opportunities, and I think there's got to be something to that. So Kenneth Gainwell still, obviously you don't have to spend any resources on him. He's still in my waiver wire report. 33% owned. Another lotto ticket, another speculative ad. But we've seen these handcuffed running backs, especially this past week, B. 
be very, very useful. So I would stand to see it again. Uh, and might happen again. Marlon Mack, he kind of falls in the same category for me as a Ronald Jones. He's 8% owned. So, you know, no resources needed here to pick him up. But again, he's been a trade candidate now for the past couple of weeks. Trade deadline is getting closer. He is somebody just to pick up to see if, you know, if you get traded, what kind of situation do you wind up in? Could you wind up being fantasy relevant? So just kind of get out ahead on a potential lotto ticket there. Now I'm getting into my wide receivers. Oh, I'm sorry, Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny is pick up here. There's a chance that if Alex Collins can't go, Rashad Penny could wind up being the lead carrying back in Seattle for Monday night. Now you don't love the match against the Saints, and Rashad Penny himself has a lot to be desired as far as the talent skill of a running back goes anyway, but they probably would give him that opportunity. Now, I if you have Chris Carson and you have Alex Collins, I don't know how many roster spots I want to keep wasting on Seattle running backs. However, having said that, you may not have better options this week. So you may need to spend 10% of your fab, 15% of your fab. I wouldn't go crazy. I probably wouldn't want to go more than 10 because here's the thing. If Alex Collins can play, or even if he misses this week and comes back the following week, I don't think Rashad Penny takes this job from Alex Collins. Like there maybe could be a rotation of some sort, but Collins has been good. So I wouldn't be surprised if Collins is still leading the way if he's healthy over Rashad Penny either. So don't go crazy, but definitely there's a pathway where he could he could come back to the league and wind up with a decent with a with a decent workload starting this week, depending on what's going on with Collins and the practice report throughout the week. So just kind of keep that in mind. All right, now we can move into the wide receivers. So Miko Hartman now has two weeks in a row where he was heavily utilized, heavily targeted. He's forty six percent owned. He's playing against the Tennessee Titans next week. And again, this is more of a streaming thing, which is where it's like, all right, I know a lot of people might be missing their wide receivers, whether it's due to injury, whether it's, you know, a lot of buys this week. So Miko Hartman's probably going to wind up somewhere close to that top 36 range for me. Definitely a high-end wide receiver four who has boomer bust potential in a nice matchup. I never want to trust it. He's still Miko Hartman. He can still disappear no matter what's going on around him. Tyreek Hill, you know, if he didn't have a setback, could be more healthy, so playing more snaps heading into next week. But he has been utilized pretty well the last two games, and you love the matchup coming up against the Tennessee Titans. So he's a streaming option for you. I'm not using resources. I'm not using priority. I'm not using fab budget. But when waiver's clear and you're looking for wide receivers, he's a guy that you could throw in there to try to take, you know, a little bit of a home run swing in your lineups this week. Tim Patrick comes in at 38% owned for me. Now, this game's on Thursday night. I They keep saying that Jerry Judy might suit up. I have a hard time believing he's going to suit up on a Thursday night his first game back. I feel like it's going to be next week. So if he doesn't, Cleveland Browns defense has not played very well the last two weeks. Tim Patrick has gotten his opportunities. He's played well. Again, you're looking for streaming options this week. Tim Patrick's going to be that guy who has the touchdown upside, of course, to go with it, especially if Judy's not playing. He'll get a healthy amount of targets. You know that much. So 38% for Tim Patrick, again, not using any resources, but another streaming option, plug-and-play start for you. One guy, Marquez Callaway, is interesting. So Michael Thomas is eligible to come off the pup list, but they're saying that he's still a few weeks away. So it doesn't sound like they're going to activate him this week. Marquez Callaway has been getting utilized a little bit more consistently going into the bye. You got to like the match because the Seattle Seahawks, whose secondary is getting even more banged up by the game. 
So I think you can take a shot on a Marquez Callaway. You could take a shot on a Deontay Johnson, who has actually been a little bit more targeted than Callaway at this point. I don't love it, but again, we're looking for guys who can spot start in desperate situations that you can hit home runs with. These are guys in that category. Christian Kirk being another guy in that category, 25% owned. I would rather have a Christian Kirk than any of the guys I just named for the season long. I think he has more season long value than any of those guys I just named. So I would prioritize Kirk over them, but again, not using resources on him. 25% owned. He's actually less owned than those guys I just listed are anyway, even though he has more value than they do, but there's a lot of malice feed. We know he has a low floor because of the way that Arizona Cardinal offense sets up to begin with. James Crowder is a very interesting one for me. I know he didn't have like the big game, the big targets that we were all hoping for the last game before the bye, but 23% owned in full point PPR leagues, especially he should definitely be owned, but he's going to be a nice spot start that you could have, especially going through these bye weeks and now their buys out of the way. He's something you're going to be able to plug and play, I think, throughout at least a few times. And he does have the targets of being the slot receiver in that offense. So 23% owned James Crowder, I think, is going to be a nice pickup, too. Darnell Mooney makes my list at 46% owned. Don't love it. But again, I think at this point, I have to value him more than an Allen Robinson because he is the guy who gets the chance for the big play. Fields has to get better. I mean, he can't get much worse. The Bears offense has to get better. It can't get much worse. They got a good matchup coming up here against Tampa Bay for the wide receivers. They have no corners left. So, Darnell Mooney, another guy, boomer bust, kind of home run threat. I put Amon Ross St. Brown on my list at 12% owned. Again, I wasn't crazy because of the usage with Khalif Raymond there, but in full point PPR leagues, if I'm desperate this week, I might take a swing at a St. Brown because he, he's still got a healthy target share of seven targets. You know they're always going to come back from behind. I do think he's the best receiver they have from a talent perspective. We'll see how long it remains to be seen, you know, as does that shine through or not. But uh, he definitely a, a guy who's on the list, depending on what kind of situation you're in, who's widely available in pretty much all the leagues out there, I would say, at this point. T.Y. Hilton, 23% owned. Look, even if T.Y. Hilton doesn't play this week with the quad issue, he looked good. The Colts need receivers. They need playmakers. This target consolidation could be purely around Michael Pittman and T.Y. Hilton, especially with Paris Campbell out of the way and the fact that the tight ends, for the most part, really haven't been consistently involved. I think there is room for both Hilton and Michael Pittman to eat in this offense that needs a spark. So Hilton is a, I think he's a wide receiver for boomer bust play rest of season. 23% owned. Hilton would be more of a priority to me than a lot of the other guys on this list that I've named. In fact, when I look at this, I think it would be Hilton, Crowder, and Kirk. Those would be the top three that I would go after this week. And then the rest of the guys, they're, they're all the same. They're, they're boomer bust projects. I probably would have Tim Patrick up there. He's got the highest floor when given the right opportunity. But that's kind of how I prioritize it. Then we get to tight end. This will probably be the last week of Ricky Seals-Jones. But Ricky Seals-Jones is only 20% owned still. I thought he'd be way more owned after he had the big target share last week going against the Chiefs this week. But he's not. He's only 20% owned. Ricky Seals-Jones, until Logan Thomas comes back, is a top 12 tight end with his usage. Plain and simple. So go after, go get this guy. You need a spot start for another two weeks. He can provide you with that. And then Zach Ertz. 
Zach Ertz is somebody I'm going to spend some fab budget on because Zach Ertz has a potential to be a top 12 tight end the rest of the season. There's a potential for that. I'd probably say 10%. I'm not going to go crazy. Again, priority. If I'm already in the bottom quarter of my league and I need a tight end, I probably do it. I'm not going to waste a number one or a number two or number three on him or anything like that. But it depends on where I am. But he does have the potential. Remember, Max Williams, who's never been a good pass catching tight end, was suddenly becoming a streaming option because of how involved he was getting. Zach Ertz might not be the player he was, but he still has the capability to catch touchdowns, and he's still better than Max Williams is. So that's where I'm kind of curious. He's 48% owned, so he's close to 50-50. But there's a lot of leagues out there where he's still available, even though he was the starting tight end going into the game last week. So talk about streaming options who might be valuable to you the rest of the league or the rest of the year. Zach Ertz is one of those guys, believe it or not. Finds a way to be fantasy relevant. Conversely, now he's more than 50% owned. That's why he doesn't make my waiver wire report. But there were a lot of leagues where Dallas Goddard got dropped because people were getting so frustrated by the usage between him and Zach Ertz that they kind of just moved on from him because he became a streaming tight end and not a bona fide top 12 tight end. So if you're in one of those leagues, make sure you double check that Dallas Goddard's not available in your league because I'd rather have Dallas Goddard than a Zach Ertz the rest of the way too. He's more talented. And he's going to be a top 10 guy now that Zach Ertz is out of the way. That's going to do it for the show. As usual, the Tuesday one's a little bit quicker, normally speaking. We'll be back tomorrow night, Wednesday, with the first preview show of the week. We'll have the Thursday night preview and all the early slate Sunday games. Chris will be joining me for that show, as he always does. So make sure you tune in on social media at Show, And, of course, on the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. Subscribe to that. Check us out. After the show on your favorite pod streaming app, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker, iHeart, wherever you like to go. And make sure you check us out tonight from 7 to 8 on the Unhinged Radio Network at unhingedsn.airtime.pro. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow as we look forward to week 7. Continue to get your teams better. Until then, everybody take care, and we'll see you soon. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications.